With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. It's game week. We have finally made it, my friends. We have a lot to get into tonight. We're going to preview South Alabama. We're going to make our week one picks. And we will also introduce a new segment called Top Shelf Bets. Each of us will offer our best bet for the weekend, kind of like Let It Ride last year, except individually. But first, it has already been a busy week in Lincoln as a depth chart has been released and black shirts have been handed out. So, Tyler, let's talk about depth chart first. Uh, Lots of surprises there. Uh, What are some things that stood out to you when you saw the depth chart, Tyler? You know, I got to say the number one thing that stood out to me was the running back position. And the co-number one, Dedrick Mills and Mo Washington. I, I, I think this is a huge revelation that Scott Frost and the coaching staff made. Um, they've been really hush-hush on the Mo Washington situation, alluding that they're going to wait and see. I Maybe I'm underselling Dedrick Mills or overselling Mo Washington, but i got to be honest, I thought he was a clear number one there. And the fact that they went with a co there, I think that tells me a lot, that they have a lot of concerns. Is Mo Washington going to be playing? Um, I I think that was a very strategic move. Uh, And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Well, it's interesting you say that. Derek, before we get into uh, more of the depth chart, I want to ask you about the running back situation. Do you see it the same way as Tyler? Or or do you you see uh, Mo Washington... Not playing? What do you see? I, as far as Mo Washington goes, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anybody does. Uh, I, I don't read it the way Tyler does. I think I think there were both these guys are probably going to be an e, an or either way because I think they're both going to share time. I, I never I, I the, the or there never really surprised me much. Uh, what I read into it was when he put Washington in there made me automatically think, well, maybe Washington's going to play this weekend. But then Frost comments in the presser made it sound like, well, we still don't know. Yeah. So it's hard to tell. I, I don't think the or really told, told me anything. If I had a nickel, I would bet that he does not play on Saturday. Well, and if you're not going to have him, this is a good game to have him. I, I, I'm, I'm having a feeling the only way he's playing is if they have a plea, plea bargain in place by Saturday. And I, I mean, they haven't been able to come with a plea bargain for the last – 
six months. Four, I don't five, know. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I don't know why it would happen now. But but let's be honest about this. The whole ore thing on the depth chart to me, it, it's like there's a one A and one B. There is something very tangible about the guy's name they list first. I think that is the clearly the one A guy, or the one you know, and then the two. I think the fact that Mo Washington is listed second, I think. I, I am reading a little bit into that. I, I think him being the second guy is clearly that, okay, maybe they're co-number ones, but it's a lot easier to say, well, he's re- he was really the 1B guy. Diedrich Mills was always, if he doesn't play. And if he doesn't play on Saturday, the question is, if this doesn't get settled next week, how long do they keep him out? I I mean, Good point, yeah. I, again, you're talking about the or, but then you got Colin Miller or uh, Will Honus, and like, I'm not reading into that. I think all three of them guys are going to play a shit ton. Well, but yeah, but but the I, I would guess that you were going to go with the first linebacker being the starter. The guy, I mean, there's only one guy who's going to be out there with the starting lineup. I get it, but I'm not reading into it as much as starter. I don't care who the starter is. It's a matter of who's playing more to me. Yeah. Uh, Derek, what else stood to you on the offensive side of the depth chart? Anything? Ah. Uh, you know, there was a lot. There really was. Uh, Javon McQuitty being right behind J.D. Spielman really stuck out to me. I know I kind of mentioned something a week or two ago about uh, how much uh, Troy Walters had been talking about Javon McQuitty And Justin, you kind of scoffed at me like, yeah, that guy's not going to see the field any more than Wyatt Mazur. And I don't think either one of them are going to play. But yeah. now that you see him at number two, like you have to assume he's getting a lot of playing time now, right? Sure. Absolutely. And that's exciting to see. I mean, you know, Justin, I think your whole beef with McQuitty is that he burned you last year. Yeah. And you haven't forgiven him. And, you know, we've been high on him on this podcast. We've talked in, you know, drones about how good this guy could be. And then last year, injuries or whatever happened, he just never equated. And I, I'm psyched to see him in the rotation. I think that we all thought he was a great talent coming out of high school. Um yeah, I, I'm really pumped to see his name actually on the depth chart in a position where he's going to be playing. Yeah, he definitely disappeared last year uh, from all of the hype from the offseason because coming off the spring game last year, I mean, I was all about some Javon McQuitty. So was a lot of people, though, you know? But, uh, but it also sounds like he said mentioned something this year about he was battling a shoulder injury most of last right. year. So, I mean, we didn't know that because Frost don't tell us about injuries. But... So maybe the injury had a lot more to do with it than what any of us realized. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me, and it's mainly based off of my pick last week, as far as, or maybe a couple of weeks ago, when we're talking about the second best wide receiver on the team, most receiving yards, and I see my pick as Cade Warner as an or at the number two position, uh, you know, behind Wandale Robinson and uh, an, an or with Miles Jones. So I'm hoping that has a lot to do with him, you know, not being 100%, maybe battling back from injury because, man, that's my pick. I don't want to lose to you guys. What do you guys think about Cade Warner? Well, I think that that is, you know, the rumor mill and Cade Warner being banged up. You know, I I talked to you guys about that offline. I think there's a lot of rumors out there on that. But let me go a different direction. Let's say he is healthy. I think we know to a degree what we're going to get with Cade Warner. I mean, that could be a signal that maybe our depth at wide receiver has really taken that much of a step forward. I mean, if he is now a 
2B wide receiver, um, I, I, I think that tells a lot there that, you know, maybe our depth has gotten a hell of a lot better, which is exciting. That's a great way of looking at it. I, I guess that's a better way of putting it than what I told Justin uh, earlier this week when I, I said I kind of hope he does get buried on the depth chart because we have way more talented guys that if that means they're starting to pan out, then, yeah, I guess, I guess what you, the way you're saying is probably a better way of saying it, Tyler. But, yeah, I mean, if, if, the, if the more athletic guys are starting to pass him up, I think that's a good sign. So let's talk about this quarterback situation. No, no surprise, Adrian Martinez, number one. Number two, Noah Vedral, but uh, Luke McCaffrey, number three. Uh, I, I think that's interesting, only in, only to me mainly because I thought Bunch would kind of be in that number three slot. So I want to ask you guys a question here. Uh, in the South Alabama game, and we're going to talk about South Alabama a little bit later, but we can kind of agree that this should not be much of a challenge. So we should play a lot of backups, right? So coming into the game uh what would be more interesting you know is there a debate between uh luke mccaffrey or noah vedral coming in as the number two guy or would it be uh luke mccaffrey or andrew bunch coming in as a third guy in that is that a stupid debate tyler well i think now it's a stupid debate um when we talked about this originally i think there was uh a lot of questions. You know, here's what I'll tell you. If Nebraska gets up big, and I, and I think we, we're going to get in that uh, in a minute, but, yeah, I, I expect Noah Vedral to come in and play. And I, I want the coaches to give Noah Vedral a full quarter of playing time, whether that means he gets in in the mid-third and we have a chance to get third strings in, or he comes at the beginning of the fourth and he finishes out the game. I want to see him get a lot of snaps if he's going to be our number two. But what I will tell you is this is clear to me that if we do get a chance to get third strings in, it's going to be Luke McCaffrey. And, you know, long-term in the season, do they eventually just say, hey, we're redshirting McCaffrey and bringing Bunch as the third-string emergency quarterback? Probably. But I, I think this is a game that if we get up big, we're going to see Luke McCaffrey before Andrew Bunch. Dirk? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's, there's no reason really to play bunch unless you absolutely have to i think at this point uh luke mccaffrey it would be awesome to get him into a game situation and this is a game that if we're winning as big as we all think we're probably going to it would be a good game to get him in you can play him in four games and i don't know if there's four games that we're truly going to be able to get him into but so i think that if you're up big you need to get him into this game uh obviously you need to get vedral in as well because I mean, he is your clear backup, I think, because you do want a red shirt Luke McCaffrey if you can. And so, yeah, I don't think Andrew Bunch probably had much of a shot at really getting into the game at all. All right, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Derek, what stood out to you on the defensive depth chart? Oh, man, there was, there again, there was a lot. But uh, I'll go with Noel Pula Gates not making the depth chart at all. Like, I kind of thought he would at least make the depth chart. And then you got Isaiah Stallbird in there, who I've never even heard of, a redshirt freshman walk-on that is apparently a backup to the safety. I don't know how much playing time he'll get. I, I assume Cam Taylor will be playing more safety in other spots than than allowing that a red, a walk-on to come in like that. But who knows? I could be wrong. But seeing no pull at Gates not even make the list kind of surprised me a lot. Well, a guy like Eli Sullivan another guy that you know he is a guy that i've never heard of 
He's cracking the top three there at safety. Uh, good for those walk-ons for uh, making a big step, but that's what stood out to me on the defensive side. Tyler, what about you? Well, I just want to comment on that. You, you're going to talk about these walk-ons. Another name out there is Joseph Johnson. Yeah. Um, he's a redshirt freshman, and I, I you know, it, it takes a lot to shock us. We follow this thing pretty closely, and when you see names pop up on the depth chart, you're like, wait, who is that? Like, how does that even happen nowadays with all the media, all the comments, everything we follow? And there's two to three names on this that I, God, I never heard of. But I, I'm going to take this a little bit different. I don't think this is a shock per se. But they talked about this today um, in the media, and it kind of backs up on the depth chart that it sounds like what we kind of all expected. Um, we're going to be playing six defensive linemen a lot. Um, they, they, they talked about it. They said they could have listed any of those as oars. They didn't, obviously, on the depth chart. But it sounds like we're going to be playing six deep on defensive line. And it's the six names we thought, with the exception of maybe one, Jakeem Green. With the way they were talking about him, I, I would I wouldn't have been shocked to see an or with him somewhere in there to make sure he's going to get playing time, um, but it is a little bit shocking I guess that he wasn't on there. But it kind of reiterates that we're going to see six defensive linemen, and I love for the first time in their Nebraska career the Davis twins are going to start on Saturday. Well, well, well to talk about Jakeem Green, he just joined the program two weeks ago, so it's still a little early for that. Maybe it's a little early for that or. So, well, you, you, you have the comment that he could be a starter. You heard that a couple sure. uh, about a week ago. And so, yeah, a little shocked that he wasn't even listed. True. I mean, and it, it could still happen, but I mean, two, two Eody just came out today and said, you know, he's playing well, but he's got some catch-up to do physically and mentally with catching up to where where the defense should be right now. So I, it doesn't surprise me, I guess, that I, that kid just came in. And by the end of the season, maybe he's up there. Maybe, and, you know, they said he's playing a lot of defensive and, and nose tackle, so apparently he's trying to learn a lot all at once. Hey, I want to go back to the safeties there behind Markel Dismook, you know, with uh, Isaiah Stalbert and Eli Sullivan backing him up. Whatever happened to C.J. Smith? Is he injured or he transferred? Did did he? Yeah. Okay. Well, you just put you just pulled you just pulled the Mark Rick. I did. I did. did. Did anybody else honestly look at that and go straight to major league and go, "Who the frick are these guys?" I I mean, my jaw dropped. I mean, let's let's be real. Do you see those safeties getting in the game? If we need a backup safety, isn't it Cam Taylor? Isn't it? Um, I mean, isn't it Eric Lee at that point? I mean, like, do you really see? I mean, I, I'll tell you this much, and I hope I'm wrong, but man, if you see any of those guys get the field in meaningful minutes, I, I'm gonna worry a little bit. Like, I I don't know who these kids are, and I'm not, I I'm not buying that stock right now. Well, uh, also, all Husker fans, listen. Scott Frost came out and said, don't read too much into the depth chart. So he hasn't lied to us yet about any of this crap, so I don't know why he'd start now. So probably don't read too much into the first week's, first week's depth chart. Well, well it, 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 is, it is the first week, and that's an important thing to know for the people that have paid attention. I think we put it out on our Twitter, right, Justin? We got this on our Twitter page, so if anyone wants to look at it. But, um, but it is the first week, so if there is an injury a Cade Warner or anyone, I mean, that could be a factor why they are where they are. 
Can, can we go back to offense for just a second? There were a couple more things on offense that I that really stuck out to me, and I know Tyler's sure. probably going to hammer me on one of them. Uh, but the first one I want to mention is Brian Christofferson came out in the article trying to uh, predict the, the depth chart a week ago, and I text Justin. I'm like, "What a dumbass! He's got." Hickson playing on the left guard, and he's got Bo Wilson at the right guard. I've never heard of these guys switching around. Now all of a sudden, the depth chart comes out, and he's right. So I apologize to Brian Christofferson because that that stuck out to me. I'm like, really? I never heard of I never heard of Hickson moving over to the left guard. That that's, that surprised me a lot. Uh, the other one is honestly, I'm surprised Wandell Robinson's starting already in game one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's shocking to any of us that he's going to play, but, I mean, to be the starter is... Yeah, like, I never expected it, him it, not to play, but to be the starter, that's big. It, and and that gets me excited, because the upside on that individual is huge. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the guard play will be interesting to see how much that affects it. I think I like what that right side of the offensive line looks at. You know, you talk about, you know, the left tackle being a really important position because it's the blind side for the quarterback... But I always look at the right side as kind of that way. Like, if you need to get a yard, you're going to go to the strong side, and that's the right side. And I think putting Bo Wilson over there makes a lot of sense. But, Derek, I got one more note on offense. Austin Allen, the, I mean, the fact that he got co-number one uh, or the 1B or whatever you want to look at that, I mean, I, I think with all the hype of Jack Stoll, and I, I mean, I had him as my number two wide receiver, I mean, the fact that Austin Allen has, in fact, closed the gap that much to be the co one, um, that's exciting because I I really am hype on Austin. I think he's a nightmare, uh, a matchup nightmare for teams. His height and athleticism, he's different. So let me ask you guys this: Does that what's that or mean to you? Do you think they're that's setting up for a lot of two tight end sets? I think it could. I think it very I well do. could. I I mean, it, it, you got to look. I mean. You, we can go on and on with the tight end position, but that depth at that tight end group is good. I mean, you know, there there's three to four wide receivers that I'm like, okay, I'm confident in. I mean, there's three to four tight ends I'm confident in. I, I think that position group is a lot. It, it's the unspoken heroes potentially of this offense could be that tight end group this year. Yeah, I have more confidence in our four deep at uh, tight end than I do running back. 100%. All right, just, just a couple more things before we move on from the depth chart. We probably need, need to move this on. But uh, the other two things that I had written down that I thought really surprised me was Caleb Tanner starting over JoJo Doman. I understand JoJo Doman has kind of been hurt, but Caleb Tanner starting really surprised me. Like, I knew he was going to play a lot, but again, to start, I think, really surprised me. And then well, the, well, the one thing I, I really I, don't like about the depth chart is J.D. Spielman at the punt returner. I don't like that. There's no reason to risk hurting this guy. We need him in that offense. Yeah. Well, uh, they said today uh, if Maurice Washington happened to be out uh, this weekend, that J.D. Spielman would also be back there on uh, kick returns. I, I don't like that. There's no reason to risk heart injury to that guy. I'm the same way. But while we're talking about special teams, I'm just going to throw this out there. Damian Jackson, backup long snapper. Everybody's favorite Husker, right? Everybody just wants to see him get get on the field. Ah, That brought a smile to my face. I would love to see him lay someone out. But I will tell you, uh, you know, they they talked about today in the media that JoJo – 
they're going to run a little bit of a pitch count with him. And I proposed this a while ago that I think they might do that. And I love that when I'm right. Um, you know, it's interesting you got Code 1 when you hear the comments from the coaching staff today. Like, yeah, you know, we really want him in October, November when the games matter. Uh, you know, we, we are all high on JoJo. I think we all had him a starter three months ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I read into this that, you know, maybe come October you're going to see him be the solo number one. But again, just I, not to keep going over this, but the the shock to me at outside linebacker was Tyron Ferguson. You, you know, go you go back to last year at this time. There were I, quote me if I'm wrong. I think there were originally six black shirts given out. Seven is that what it was? Seven black shirts at the time. He was one of them. Now he doesn't get a black shirt, and yeah. he's not even a starter. I mean that that is, I mean. Uh, again, you hope that is more to do with how much everyone's gone up. Maybe it's an injury we don't know about. Who knows what's really going on there? But, I mean, he is another guy, kind of like Cade Warner, that's shockingly buried on that depth chart. Well, he also shares an oar with Garrett Nelson. Now, Garrett Nelson's he's had a very good camp. I love Garrett Nelson. Yeah. He might be the second most loved Husker. Well, I'll go third most loved Husker behind Adrian Martinez and Jackson. I mean, this kid is like... Everybody's throwing up uh, the memes with uh, Ric Flair with this kid. He's just getting a lot of publicity, and they love this kid. And, he's, and from what I'm seeing, everything about him, he, he's going to be fun to watch. I, I still think he probably needs another year, another year to develop. Although the coaches did say uh, since he's not wrestling this year, he has put on some weight, and he is looking really good in fall practice. So you got to find well, that the, a plus. This, the depth chart lists him at uh, 260. So... That's a, that's a big-ass outside linebacker. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, speaking of black shirts, you're talking about Tyron Ferguson. We did issue out 14 uh, black shirts. Is given out in a pretty cool ceremony there with former black shirts and friends of Scott Frost. So uh, all starters uh, to include Ben Stilley, Colin Miller, and Cam Taylor received black shirts so Derek what are your thoughts on this uh the way they did it was awesome uh you know you got you also have your two captains in there with Darian Daniels and Mo Berry uh getting their black shirts which I mean you would assume that would happen uh the other two star uh, captains were over on the offensive side with Adrian Martinez and uh Matt Farniak yeah Matt Farniak uh, but I, I don't think there was a lot of surprises there other than Darian Daniels. Uh, but uh, as far as the black shirts go, I, yeah, I, I agree with most of them. Uh, we'll see what happens with like Cam Taylor. I I know they anticipate him playing a lot, so I have no problem with him getting one. But I I, I don't know. I, I think I think the way they did it though was awesome, bringing out other uh, former black shirts and explaining to him what it meant. Right. Tyler, any thoughts, sir? Okay, I I love Scott Frost. I love this coaching staff. I love this defense. You all know I'm high on this defense, and there is part of me that wants to be like, yeah, I'm right on this defense. They are so far along. They're going to be great. But then there's the other side of me that's like, didn't we just crush Mike Riley and his staff for handing out like a million black shirts? And wasn't that, like, awesome? Everyone's like, last year, you can go back to the podcast. It's great he's making everyone earn it. 14 black shirts 
if he gives out one or two more throughout the season, and you've got to assume he will, we could end up with 17 black shirts by the time the season's over. It's back to the exact same thing that everyone <laughs> crushed Riley for. But it's He's giving out black shirts to everyone. But Scott Frost is doing it, so it's okay. But, and, and, and you know what? If this defense is much better than Mike Riley, I'm okay. I've never been one of those people that's like, well, black shirts needs to be this really elite small group but again you gotta assume some of these guys are gonna get black shirts by the end of the season um you know if they start playing jojo didn't get one you gotta assume that if he comes in the start i mean ferguson didn't get one i mean you could see a scenario of 17 to 18 black shirts by the end of the season and i'm okay with that but let's let's stop this game of oh my god Frost holds everyone to a whole different standard than Mike Riley did because he did the exact same thing. Derek? Well, I assume that if Scott Frost handed him out, that will probably be deserving of him a little more than what Mike Riley was doing. I think that's what people were complaining. As much as the numbers went, it was more, God, our defense were atrocious. I mean, they so far under Frost, they haven't been great either. So we'll find out. But I, I don't know. I I don't remember complaining about that under Mike Ryan. I don't remember complaining about it under Bo Pelini that much. I, I know Justin said something to me earlier tonight that we hammered Bo Pelini for handing out too many black shirts. I I don't remember complaining about it. Maybe I did. If I did, I apologize. Uh, I whatever. To, like I told Justin earlier, this is this is a, a to me this is a tradition for the players. So let them enjoy it. I, as far as the fans go, whatever. It's not, it's I, I not your tradition. Dark. It's theirs. I, I agree, Derek. I Again, I, I want to reiterate this, that I have no qualms with anyone getting a black shirt. I think it's a great tradition. But, Justin, what do you say on this subject? Because I feel I, like you're in my court a little bit. Yeah, I'm definitely in your corner. I mean, you know, talk about all the pride, what it means to be a black shirt and all that stuff. And, it, you know, it's supposed to be like an exclusive brotherhood and all that stuff. It to me, maybe it cheapens it a little bit. If, you, if you're getting significant playing time, you automatically get one. Uh, you know, but but you're right. You know, you add JoJo Doman in the comments uh, about the defensive linemen that all six of those guys are considered uh, are considered starters, right? So uh, let's say Damian Daniels and uh, DeAndre Thomas they get one. So you're you're right. You're you're getting up there to that uh, 17, maybe 18 if Tyron Ferguson gets one. And does it just evolve to are you? Are you a significant contributor or a contributor? I don't know. And and that doesn't – and honestly, it doesn't bother me. It bothers me that there were a lot of people that yeah, – there was this outrage when Bo Pelini, Mike Riley did this. You yeah. Know, and, and, it's and only again, for starters. I, if you're not starting, you don't deserve one. Yeah, that yeah, was, and, that and was the outrage. Guar- it, it's not even guaranteed for a starter. Hey, I'm not a backer. Hey, guys, I'm not a backup, all right? <laughs> Kevin Williams. Hey, <laughs> show me your black shirt, bud. No, uh, but but look, I mean, you hear stories of like uh, Jay Foreman coming in and he has it in his will that he wants to be buried in his black shirt. Like it kind of shows you how much is truly meant to these guys. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that it really ring true through these guys. But I'm not sure it did because I listened to a little bit of the interview with uh, they had a, like a three way interview with. Lamar Jackson, DiCaprio Boodle, and uh, Deontay Williams. And they were the, the, one of the questions I was asking was like, hey, who handed your black shirt? What did he say to you? Oh, I don't remember his name. All three of them. All three of them. I don't remember his name. 
Wow. To be fair, these kids these kids were not born when those guys played football. I understand, but you had to learn one name. Come on. <laughs> Who handed out their uh, uh, black Two of them was Zach Bowman, and the other one was... Uh... Now nah, I'm going to forget, so I'm no better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> at, le- at least you weren't standing there. And you, and you weren't standing there looking at the looking at the guy in the face. No, that, that's pretty funny right there. But no, I mean it's it, it's cool. Whatever they want to do, uh, it's a cool tradition. But you know, over overselling them, you know, just handing them out. It, it kind of cheapens it a bit, I guess. I, see, I don't uh, think it cheapens it just for the fact of how they did it this year, especially. Like, well, the, I mean, they're just yeah, putting no, them in the lockers was kind of... But, I mean, I know they've done that for a long time, too. But the way they did it this year, I think it meant had a little extra meaning to it. I think that sure, was cool. Sure, sure. Of course. And it, you know what? I, I, I'm not frowning about the number four, 14. That's a good number. That's a great number. But I, I can see it getting inflated. And if it doesn't, cool. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We'll never get a black shirt. Hey, uh... I this weekend, one. what's that? You could buy one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's true. Hey, uh, South Alabama comes to town uh, Saturday. Nebraska's thirty-six point favorites in this game. Early game. Uh, Derek, tell us about the South Alabama team. Uh, you know, they came in. They're coming in off a three-win season. Uh, guys, they're, they're not very good. Uh, they got uh, they were 100th in scoring offense last year, 93rd in rush de- uh, rush offense, 95th in pass offense, uh, 106th in total offense, and surprisingly their defense was even worse. They gave up 38.8 <laughs> points per game, 123rd in the country, uh, 107th in uh, rushing yards per game or in passing or total yards per game. Sorry, 101st in pa- rush yards and uh, 90th in pass yards. They also weren't very good in the turnover differential. They ended up uh, 91st in the country in turnover differential. Like None of the stats really match up well for these guys unless they can show a lot of improvement, which, again, Nebraska's kind of the same boat, especially defensively, where you're really hoping for some improvement. And they're in a, they're, they have a second-year coach, too, but I don't think you're going to see quite the improvement you're going to see with us. Uh, they do have a few players I, I kind of thought were pretty decent. Or uh, their running back Trey Minter, he had 800 yards last year rushing, six touchdowns. Uh, Kwan Baker, he had he's kind of a he's a almost like a duck R guy, I guess. He had uh, 13 total touchdowns between uh, rushing and wide receiver last year. He had like I think uh, seven rushing and six uh, receiving. So he, he could be a guy to watch out for. He could give our defense a little bit of problems. But overall, I they got a redshirt freshman, dual threat kid, Cephas Johnson come in for quarterback. Uh, I I don't know. I, it was hard to really get a lot of research done on these guys because I just can't see them being very good. Vegas has them at uh, two and a half wins for the over-under. So, he, I mean, Vegas is not expecting anything out of these guys. Uh I'm, I'm hoping this is not a game. I'm hoping by halftime this is just a bloodbath. Tyler, where can South Alabama hurt Nebraska? Well, 
Not many places. <laughs> yeah, you know, Derek, Derek kind of did a great job there. But another name you got to look out for is Tyree Turner on the defensive line. This guy had four sacks, ten tackles for loss last year. He is good. Um, you did talk about Baker there. there. There is a stat out there, one of my favorite uh, advanced analytics stats, which is ad, uh, running success percentage. And, and without going way in depth into this, it talks about how many runs you consider successful. Um, so the way it basically works is if it's a first down run and you run for six yards, it's a successful run. If it's a third down and you get a first down, no matter how many yards it is successful. He is actually one of the better backs. The well, He's a receiver, but one of the better players in the country in that he had 46% successful uh, runs last year. Wow. His yards per carry weren't great, but the guy, he can make plays when it needs to be. But he, here is the fact um, about this team. You, you could talk about they're bad, and they, they may be the worst team in Division I football. They really might be. They they gave up the fourth most yards per attempt via pass last year. Their, their secondary is brutal. Adrian Martinez, th- this is going to be a game. If he goes to New York, you will see highlights from. 100% because he is going, if he doesn't light it up this week, he won't. But a trivia fact for you guys. We have a player, and this isn't that hard, a player on this roster who's played against this team. Do you know who that is? I would guess it will be Diedrich Mills. Darian Daniels. They played oh. Oklahoma State last year. They lost they uh they lost fifty five to thirteen and Darian Daniels only recorded two tackles. Over and under two tackles for Darian Daniels this year against them. Way over, and where can I bet that? Way line? over. We played him in twenty fifteen. Don't we have people on our roster still that would have played against him? Yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Not really. We have like no. Se- we we we. No, don't, I would assume the Davis twins were on the roster. Well, well, but I don't know if they played in that year. Point is, I was going with Darian Daniels played against them last year. So, uh, no, I, I I do think it's a um, that's an interesting little tidbit is that they did play Okie State last year. So no, I mean we we well overmatch him. What I will tell about uh, Cephas Johnson, that kid is a big dude. He's six five two twenty five. He is athletic. I, I do see him as a guy that I know he's young and whatever, but you know he is a mobile guy and maybe he can make a play or two. But man, I, I we overmatch them drastically. All right, so you know we can agree that this should not be much of a challenge, but with, without the score getting out or you know getting crazy, what would you consider a success for Nebraska coming out of this game, Tanner? no one gets injured i mean you know i think that's an obvious answer it's like hey we got to get out of this game 100 percent before colorado but i will also say this i i this is a game that frost he he needs to make a statement i kind of went back and forth on this does he hold anything back does he does he you know justin you hate that when people say that about coaches is do they hold something back yeah you're like but it's one of your least favorite things but i'll tell you is Maybe we do, but I, I don't want to see it. I want to see Frost come out here, and I want him to run this thing full cylinders. I want to see his offense at full effect, the, and hopefully we get a lot of backup snaps this game. Derek, what about you? What would you consider a success coming out of this game? Uh, boy, there's a lot of things. Uh, 700 yards total offense. Is that fair? I guess wow, it's a really nice. crappy defense. Wow. I, I I would love to see it. I would really love to see us hold uh, 
their defense or their their I'd like to see us hold their offense to under three hundred yards total offense. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see penalties cleaned up. We're going to have some penalties. It's first game of the year. It happens. Can, but can we keep clean up the stupid penalties? Can we keep the personal foul penalties and the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties out? Can, can we keep the just the garbage penalties out of it? Uh, can we fix some of the problems we had last year within uh, third down conversions, like on defense and offense? Can we fix some of those problems? That, these, are, these are the things I'm going to look for. So I think these are going to be the more important things than the score because the score is going to be just – should be outrageous, I hope. Yeah, and, you know, we also need to uh, win the turnovers. You know, we need to win the turnover battle because if you can't win it against this team here with the inexperience and, uh, you know, the lack of playmakers there – there's probably not going to be a lot of teams that you're going to have that luxury against. But on the flip side, Derek, what would cause you? What would give you cause for alarm coming out of this game? Oh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping nothing, I guess. But if I had to say something, I mean, if we, if we only win by like 14 points, or or even if we go in like at halftime and they're really still in this game. And we're losing a turnover battle, and we're still seeing a lot of the same bad habits we've seen from last year. I would probably start getting a little concerned. I would try not to overreact since it's week one, but it would be concerning at least. Tyler? Well, you know, I think last year this team was not great at running the ball. I mean, you know, Derek, you talked about Minter. He he averaged four point four yards. I I want to see this team really shut down the run this uh, this week. Um, you know, this team has not done a lot on the ground. I I really want to see this run defense come up, mainly because the games I think that are going to be challenging down the road. I think you we've talked about the Ohio State, the Wisconsin. I I want to see this run defense be special. I I don't expect us to get shredded, but if we start giving up five yards to carry or anything close to that i i i do i that that would be a major concern for me dark you you know one, one other thing just to add into this is i would like to see us play four quarters because last year we took a quarter or two off every single game it seemed like yeah. uh, even well, ohio well. state which i watched again today like it was a really good game but we took the third quarter off like play in the third quarter and you could possibly win that game uh I, I, I want to see four full, four full good quarters, and like Tyler said, op, don't, you don't have to open up your playbook. Just don't turn it. Just don't turn off the gas. You know, do as uh, Jason Peter and Grant Winston said. And put put your foot on the throat and end them. Just get it done. But don't give up. Don't don't stop playing. Don't don't quit. Keep going. Finish the game. So a couple of years ago, uh, Nebraska opened up against Arkansas State. And, you know, we squeaked by 43-36 in that game. And there was a bunch of red flags in that game. Uh, So for me, what could give me cause for alarm in this game? I think I'm with you, Tyler. It would be the inability to stop the run. They're not a great running team. So if we can't stop that run. uh, Another thing is uh, if we're unable to get to the quarterback. We should have no problem getting to that quarterback in this game. Uh, this is a team that gave up 25 sacks the last two years. So we, we should be able to get there. So those would be the only two things that come to mind 
that would give me cause for alarm that might set it up. And everybody wants to, it, everybody wants to say, well, it's just one game. And uh, but you know what? You don't hear people saying it's just one game when they overanalyze the uh, Florida Miami game <laughs> because that game is dictating everybody's future there, future seasons. Go ahead, Derek. Your hands up. You know. The, the one thing I'll say, and, I, and Justin, I agree with you. I would like to see a lot of pressure on a quarterback. The one thing I will say that South Alabama does have coming back is they do have all four line or four out of five offensive linemen coming back. So you, I mean, if you're a South Alabama fan, you're at least hoping for some improvement there. You got some experience on, a, on what was a young line, so you're hoping for for some experience and a little bit better. But I still hope that we're big enough and strong enough and more dominant than they are, that we could get a lot of pressure. And, and, and you talk about bringing pressure, but I think the pressure needs to come from the four guys, like one outside linebacker in your three in your three defensive line. Can we get pressure from those guys without having to dial up special blitzes? Like I don't want a safety to have to come in and blitz. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I don't care where the pressure comes from, but somebody needs to get to the quarterback. Somebody. Uh, Tyler? Well, no, I, mean, I think you're 100% right on that. I, I will tell you, um, you know, Derek, Derek, you're right on, you know, the, the, the offensive line coming back. But I will tell you one more thing I think all Husker fans need to be on the lookout for is the weather reports. We are up to 50% chance of rain on Saturday. Are you serious? And it was the thunder and lightning. Stop I don't, it. I don't care. There's no call for thunder. There's no call for lightning. There's a slim chance for th- for a little bit of rain. Fifty percent chance of scattered thunderstorms in the morning. Cloudy skies, light. But the, the the plus of this, we have all day. We have all day to make it up. If it rains in the morning, we'll be fine. I I have confidence in that. But no, I mean we saw what happened last year when it played against Akron. I, again, I think that's. <sighs> We we need this game. We I, I, I need this game. I can't I, I can't wait game. till Colorado. I can't. All right, uh, let's move on. Let's uh, pick our games. Uh, just like last year, we're going to pick uh, five of the biggest games in college football to us uh, anyway, and uh, we're going to tell keep on tallying up the scores to the end of the year. I think I won it last year. Am I correct? No, no, no. not even close. You finished last. Finish last. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> Have you ever won it? I think you finished last every year, Justin. All right. Well, I'm going to change it this year. So, Tyler, you being the accountant, I'm going to let you tally up scores again. Uh, game number one, Utah at BYU. BYU is getting six points. Tyler. You know, if you guys listened last week, I, 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 um, you, you all know uh, I am very high on Utah. I have them going undefeated, so of course I have them winning this game. They have one of the best defensive lines in the country. I will say this, BYU always has a sneaky good offensive line because they're like all in their upper 20s so they're full-grown men uh so utah may struggle a little bit but they they win this game derek uh man byu returns nine players on offense eight players on defense last year they had a 27 to 7 lead with a minute left in the third quarter and they blew it in the fourth, basically all in the fourth quarter, giving up 28 unanswered points, and it was in 35-27. And that was at Utah. This year it's at BYU. Uh, 
Man, I don't know. I really struggled. I almost wanted to pick BYU. They've won straight uh, eleven. They're eleven and one in their last uh, twelve season openers. But I think Utah edges them out. But I'll tell you what, I think this is a very close game. I, if, if Utah upsets them, it would not surprise me. But I'll go. Uh, you, with, I'll go with Utah winning. Well, Utah is my playoff pick, so I have Utah winning. Uh, Ole Miss at Memphis. Memphis is five and a half point favorites. Tyler. I'm going to go with Memphis here, guys. I, I, You know, Ole Miss is off their bull ban. They just brought in a new offensive coordinator in Rich Rod. There's a lot of things about this team that, despite the roster, you could be looking at like, hey, maybe they're not good or they're not going to be that bad. But I'll tell you this, I, I think Memphis is going to be a good team this year. I, I think they're going to win their conference. I think they're going to shock some people. I like this Memphis roster. Uh, I, it's not just I hate Ole Miss. I, I'm going to have Memphis winning this game. Cool. Derek? You know, Ole Miss returns 10 on defense. 10. So you think that's going to be really good. Problem is, they were almost as bad as South Alabama last year on defense. <laughs> Giving up 36.2 yards a game, uh, points a game. 113th in the country. Memphis has to replace quite a bit on offense, but they still got their quarterback, Brady White. They got uh, their 1,174 yard receiver, DeMonte Coxie, coming back. They scored 43 points a game last year. I, I don't see Ole Miss's defense being able to stop Memphis. I think Memphis wins this game, and I think they win it fairly big, honestly. That makes it three for Memphis. I have Memphis as well. Uh, Next game, Boise State against Florida State. This game will be in Jacksonville. Florida State is four-and-a-half-point favorites. Tyler? You know, this was um, one of the toughest games. This was the toughest game for me to pick this weekend, probably. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Florida State on this one. You know, Boise State's playing a freshman quarterback, probably. Um, They replace some really good players on that team. I just think... Going to Florida against Florida State, you know Willie Taggart's going into his second year down there. I I think he's got the ship right enough. Again, this this to me was the toughest game because I again I don't think they're a good team in Florida State this year, but I do think they're going to have enough to beat Boise State. Derek, I think Florida State's one of the more improved teams than a lot more improved than Tyler's giving them credit for, but I think they will be more improved. Did probably a lot of people see uh, Boise State? They're losing their quarterback, their top running back, their top two wide receivers. I don't know what their offense is going to look like, guys. Like I, I don't, and, and, and to replace that much in the first game at Florida State, uh, Florida State's returning eight on offense, eight on defense. I, I think Florida State wins this game. I, I didn't have as much struggle with it as Tyler did. My toughest game was the BYU Utah game. Oh, I have Florida State all the way, and also Florida State added Kendall Bryles. Uh, as their offensive coordinator, and you know, and Hornibrook, <laughs> yeah, backup yeah. quarterback right there. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, that that swayed my decision one hundred percent there, Derek. Uh, okay, so yeah, so I definitely have Florida State. Uh, next game, Oregon against Auburn. This game will be in Arlington. Auburn is three and a half point favorites. Tyler. You know, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Stanford on this one. If you guys go back and listen to our Big Ten West preview. Oregon and wait, Auburn. Wait. I'm sorry. I wrote down the order wrong. Um, 
I, I'm going to go with Oregon on this. Uh, this this was uh, the uh, um, this is the first time they played since the national title game in 2012. Um, Oregon returned 17 starters, including Justin Herbert. I, I got Oregon in this game. Derek, this this is not turning out to be near as dramatic as I thought it would be in week one with some of these games because I think Oregon's going to own Auburn. I think Gus Malzahn's on the hot seat. I think it's a tough game to start out with. And he just named a true freshman and Bo Nix to be his starter for quarterback. And I think that's going to be a tall task for Oregon, who's got a lot of returning guys on offense and defense. Uh, plus you got Justin Herbert, who is kind of one of the dark horses for a Heisman. Uh, I, I think Oregon probably rolls Auburn pretty big. I have Oregon as well. My goodness. Uh, next game, Northwestern at Stanford. Stanford is six-and-a-half-point favorites, Tyler. Well, again, as I was saying, uh, <laughs> if you go back and listen to our Big Ten West preview, which I highly recommend. I thought that was a really fun episode we did. But um, I, I'm not high on Northwestern this year. Northwestern. Three of the last five years, they've lost at least two non-conference games. They haven't started well. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be. I do think it's going to be a competitive game, but I, I, I think Stanford pulls it out. Derek? The problem is Stanford only has four returning starters on offense and only five on defense. Like They're replacing a lot of guys. They only got nine returning starters. But they do get K.J. Costello back at quarterback, and he was damn good last year. But yeah. you do have to replace Bryce Love. I kind of went back and forth on this. My deciding factor, and Tyler, you kind of mentioned it, Northwestern sucks ass at non-con games. And so I don't see you going into a big Power 5 school on the road week one and winning this game. Uh, I, I think Northwestern's better than what Tyler does, obviously, but... Uh, I, I don't see you going into Stanford winning this game. I think Stanford wins, but I think it'll be a close game. I have Stanford in a close one as well. All right, guys. Well, that was pretty lackluster there. Uh, I know I won't be last, and you guys won't be first in this one. So uh, all five of us had the same picks. We all picked Utah, Memphis, Florida State, well, Oregon, and Stanford. So that- Well, maybe someone will go rogue on the Nebraska pick. Well... <laughs> Maybe. We'll just see. Hey, let's get to our next segment. Uh, the new top shelf. Well, obviously, after the segment, I have the paper in my hand, Derek. You let me drive this train, okay? <laughs> okay, Michelle. You got this, Michelle. <laughs> All right. The Top Shelf Bets is the new segment. Last year we did the last call segment where we had to agree to pick one game to keep rolling our money over. And if you've listened to the show, you can, you know, you know how hard it is for us to agree, except on the games that we just picked. But usually we cannot agree to pick a game. So we were all over the place. So this year we're going to each pick our own game. And at the end of the year, we're just going to tally up who is the has the most right picks against the spread. Uh, so for the first top shelf bets, Tyler, what is the game that you pick? 
So I, I went with Utah State versus Wake Forest. Utah State is an underdog of three and a half points on the road. I'm going with Utah State in that game. Uh, I Utah State was a really good team last year. They had one of the most explosive offenses in the country. They lost a lot. They only have two returning starters, uh, one of which is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Um, the problem is is not what Utah State is. Is I really, really, really think Wake Forest is in rough shape. Their defense is terrible. They fired the defensive coordinator midseason last year. They didn't get any better. Um, they're bringing in a new quarterback. I, I, I'm not confident what they have to do. Um, I think with that small spread, I, I like I like Utah State straight up, but I, I think they have enough to cover on the road. I got Utah State plus three and a half against Wake Forest. It's pretty bold considering Utah State lost their coach too. But uh, Derek, what is your top shelf bet? Uh, I got to tell you, Tyler, you weren't far off of what mine was. It was the two returning starters that backed me up. I was going to go. I was going to go the over in that Utah State game, which was like a sixty-three. Uh, I, I decided against it because they only had two returning starters. Uh, I went with Texas A&M minus thirty-three and a half over Texas State. It's a, it's a big spread, but I, I think Texas A&M will be a lot better this year with Jimbo Fisher, and Texas State just really isn't very good. So I, I think they can cover in that game. I looked at that Derek, Derek, just so you know, I already have money on Texas State. Just so you know, I've already gotten the opposite direction on you on that one. <laughs> this is why that we couldn't do last call again. We do not agree on anything. All right, here's my top shelf bet. Uh, it's a game that we already talked about, and it is Florida State minus four and a half over Boise State. Well, guys, we already talked about this game, so I'm not going to get too much into it. But Kendall Bryles being the new offensive coordinator, uh, and Boise State bringing a freshman quarterback all the way to Jacksonville for this game, that just spells disaster for Boise State. Florida State will cover that game, so that is my top shelf bet. That surprises me. I, honest to God, thought you would go Cincinnati minus two and a half over UCLA. Well, I like that game as well, but for my top, well, my top shelf bet is this one. I, I do like uh, Cincinnati. I'm just uh, saying you surprised me. Well, what can I say? I shock you. <laughs> hey, now we can get into the South Alabama at Nebraska game. Minus 36. Score prediction time, guys. Uh, Tyler, what is your score prediction for this game? Guys, we've hit this home. Um, yeah, Husker fans should feel confident going this Saturday. You know, we talked about all the reasons why uh, they sucked last year, but they are going to suck this year, too. They have the 125th most experience returning. According to Phil Still, I got the Huskers fifty-five to seventeen. Derek, oh, they're bad. They're bad. Uh, Nebraska, I think, is going to be probably the most improved team in the country, and I think they're going to dominate this game. I have them winning fifty-six to ten. Well, Derek, that was my exact pick, also fifty-six ten. So uh, hopefully, we're right there. We'll, we'll share the medal. Uh, yeah. Not a lot to offer there. I mean, it, this Nebraska needs to go in and do what they're supposed to do, and we'll all come out happier Saturday afternoon. And next week's going to be a fun podcast because uh, I, 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 I'm sorry. Real quick, as a gambler, I, I don't bet on Nebraska. My heart will not let me. 
But I will tell you, I would take the over in the first half for the that game. What is the over on the first half? I I I believe it's set at uh, uh, forty four. Is what the last time I saw. I'm sorry, I just pulled it up. Thirty six is now thirty six. Oh Nebraska yeah. could Nebraska could hit that by themselves. Sounds yeah. to me like you gotta just bet the over, which is at sixty three anyway. Well, I got I got it. All of us have it way over sixty three. It, I, I got it at 65 right now, but the over in the first half especially. Okay. Well, awesome stuff, guys, but it's time for last call. Let's do last call. Let's get out of here. Tyler. My, my last call goes to the start of college football. You know, on Saturday we had the Florida-Miami game on the 150th anniversary of college football, and, guys, I could not turn away. That was a great game played by two teams that looked like garbage. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it was thrilling down to the wire. Uh, but I will tell you, the, there's like three events a year that get me absolutely jacked up. And the beginning of college football is one of them. Um, great game on Saturday. And I'm st- even though I missed that early preseason pick for us, I'm still going with Florida is extremely overrated. Thoughts, Derek? Ah, they might be overrated, but I'll tell you what. You, t- you kind of talk trash about their defense. I know they missed some tackles. It kind of looks stupid doing it. But that defensive line, wow. Ten sacks in that game? Holy cow. And I don't know if my, maybe Miami's line was just that bad. But I'll tell you what. They were just f- way faster than what Miami's offensive line was. And they just they looked more they looked better all around. Uh, they probably are overrated. But uh, it was fun. Who cares? Yeah, you know, uh, we had two great games opening weekend. That was a fun game to watch, and that Hawaii game was also a fun game to watch. So uh, two for two for opening weekend. Last call to you, Ted, or Derek. Sorry, whatever your name is. <laughs> Thanks, asshole. <laughs> uh, so as everybody's heard, Andrew Luck has come out and retired from the NFL. I I feel bad for the kid because I, I – kind of see where he's coming from and I just I, you know he spent so much time hurt and after listening to Gronk and listening to between Gronk and him listen to all the pain that they've been gone through in the last couple of years I, I understand it uh, but my, my last call is really going more towards the uh, Indianapolis fans uh, shame on you guys don't boo this kid A B don't ask for your money back from your tickets because there was no control that Indianapolis had over over luck re, re, uh, retiring so you're not getting your money back shut your mouth go to the games and whatever oh i didn't hear that they asked for some fans asked for their money back some season ticket holders are asking for their money back because because luck retired give their money back and revoke their access to season tickets for the rest of their life well, it was funny because there was a uh, another guy and i I'm not, i don't know his name he's an espn guy who basically came out and said, "You know what? Sell me all your tickets, and I will I will give them to veterans and sick children to go to the games, just to make them feel stupid." So I thought that was kind of funny too. Yeah. Hey, good for Andrew Luck. You know, got to take care of you. You know, take care of you. So, last call, or I'm sorry, thoughts, Tyler. I I, I mean, this is a huge deal. I mean, you, Derek, you're right about the fans, about the ticket holders, all that. But I'll tell you, this is a huge deal. I mean, Andrew Luck. I mean, this was a guy that, I mean, as good of a college quarterback as we've seen. He went in the NFL 
He won 11 games his first three years. I mean, this guy was a surefire Hall of Fame and the retired before 30. I mean, I can't think of another player. I mean, Gronk is probably the only guy kind of in that boat. But, I, I mean, just to walk away from the game so early, I mean, I and he won't be a Hall of Famer now. It's, it's insane to me. Uh, it's shocking to me. But it, it's going to be go down as one of those things that Andrew Luck was one of those really good quarterbacks that couldn't stay healthy. He's going to be a cautionary tale. So, Well, I think that's the difference between him and Gronk. Is Gronk is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's done enough in his career, but Luck just hasn't quite done it yet. But So I feel bad for the guy. Anyway. All right, last call to man. This is something that we kind of alluded to earlier. And with the Northwestern's depth chart that came out, uh, TJ Green or Hunter Johnson at quarterback. I find this interesting because this has been a huge topic on this podcast over the summer months and the offseason about five-star uh, Clemson transfer, uh, Hunter Johnson to at Northwestern and how much he was going to tear it up against Justin Fields. So I'm going to go to you, Derek. Thoughts on this one, man? Now you know why I hate that son of a bitch. He's always out to screw me. He listened to our podcast, and he said, Derek thinks this kid's going to be good, so I'm not going to play him. Yeah, go to hell. (laughs) Jeez. Tyler? I I would say that that's advice for everyone to go against Derek on their weekly picks, but unfortunately, I went with Derek on my weekly picks. And 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 the previous two years before that. This is this is my year, baby. My year, baby. All right, guys. Great show. Let's get out of here. Let's celebrate a, a huge Husker win on Saturday. Uh, special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for our episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and now BigHeadsMedia.com. We appreciate any and all feedback. And don't forget to write us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week as we recap South Alabama and preview Colorado. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red!